Parshas Kedoshim, packed full of mitzvahs, doesn't have the largest number of mitzvahs of any parsha, but it's close, it's one of the top few. There are a couple of psukim that deal with a number of important mitzvahs, they're all important, but a number of mitzvahs that have uh, significant practical import. You should not hate your brother in your heart. You should reprove him, and, uh, and you should not uh, suffer sin because of him. Don't take revenge, don't bear grudges. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are all separate mitzvahs among the Tariq mitzvahs. Lo sisna, don't hate. Hachach tochiach. Lo sikom, lo sitar. We're going to focus tonight on the mitzvah of Yohav Tolerecha Kamocha, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As we said, as we'll discuss in more detail later, one of the Tariag mitzvahs. Many religions, Lahavdil, also have some version of the golden rule of loving your neighbor as yourself. The New Testament, Christianity, has a lot to say about loving your neighbor. In various places in the New Testament, Yeshu instructs people that they should love their neighbor as uh, they should love your neighbor as yourself. In, in, in one list, he puts it he puts it on the same list as a number of the Ten Commandments. puts it together with Shema Yisrael. In uh, in one particular place, he he actually thinks he can improve on Taras Moshe. In the Sermon on the Mount, he begins by talking about how he's not coming to destroy the law. He's coming to fulfill it. Nothing in the law shall pass away. That didn't uh, last very long. But then he, re- then he says, in a famous passage, he says, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies as well. So the Torah doesn't actually say ever you should hate your enemy. This is a distortion, a misquote. As we noted, the Torah does say, lo the Torah says, you're not allowed to hate your brother, you're not allowed to hate not just your brother, you're not allowed to hate any Jew. Chazal understand that the Pesukim are telling us there's actually a lav darais against hating any other Jew. The only person you're allowed to hate is an apikaris or a Russia, someone who's not osem ase amcha. The Torah talks about when you find uh, a donkey, when you find chamar sernacha, the donkey of your enemy. How are you allowed to hate somebody? The Torah says, lo sisna So Chazal say that you saw him do an avera. Uh, if he does averis, then, uh, then you can hate him. But in general, it is certainly not true that Teres Moshe says that you should love, that you should love your, your neighbor and hate your enemy. You have to love everyone. When the Torah says, it doesn't just mean literally your friend or your neighbor. It means you have to love every Jew with the exception of those who are Apikursim or those who are Rishayim, who are not Osim Amcha. But in general, the Torah, the Torah has a mitzvah, as we mentioned, many religions, including Christianity, make a big deal, emphasize this mitzvah, and the Torah does as well. In Torah Shabal Peh, there are various statements about the fundamental, the fundamental nature and the centrality of the Av Tolerecha Kamocha to the Torah. The, in, the, in the Sifra, in Torah's Kanim, it brings from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, the Av Tolerecha Kamocha, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Zeklal Gadol Batara, this is a great principle of the Torah. The Gemara in Shabbos, the Bavli in Shabbos, it talks about, there's a whole Amud of Gemara about Hillel Hazakin. 
Hillel the Elder, his great Danova, his great tolerance, his, his, uh, the Gemara contrasts him to Shammai, who was much sterner, Shammai had no patience for, uh, for, for fools, for people who were behaving improperly. Hillel had much more tolerance. The Gemara gives three, three examples of this, three Gentiles who wanted to convert to Judaism. Each one first approached Shammai with an unreasonable, illegitimate request. Shammai would not tolerate such things, and Hillel instead, Hillel did accept these gerim, these, these converts, and they eventually did become, apparently, uh, valid gerim. One of those three, it says, there was a guy who came before Shammai, he said, Teach me, please, the entire Torah, but I want to hear the short version, Twitter, 140 characters, TLDR, too long, don't read, just, just give me the short version, the executive summary, while I stand on one foot. So Shammai said, that's ridiculous. Shammai chased him away. He, he, uh, he came before Hillel. Hillel accepted him and converted him. Now he had to fulfill his commitment to teach him the whole Torah standing on one foot. That which is hateful unto you, do not do, do, not do that to anyone else. That's Kala Terakula. That rule, you ask me for Kala Terakula, that rule is Kala Terakula. Everything else is perushahu, everything else is just an elaboration, is commentary, zilgmar, now you can go learn the rest. What does that mean, that ma'adalach sani l'chavrach l'savet is the whole Torah? So Rashi, Rashi brings two pshatim. The first pshat means that re'echa is a kosh baruchu. It means that which a kosh baruchu doesn't want you to do, don't do, which basically means keep the whole Torah. So that's uh, easy to understand why that would be the whole Torah. But then Rashi brings a second shot, which is, I think, much, much better known, which is how people typically understand the Gemara. Chavercha means chavercha mamish, that the, it means you're a human, you're a human friend. What he doesn't like, what, what would be unpleasant, uh, what, what, what you wouldn't like, you shouldn't do to your friend. Example, antisocial behavior, gzela and gneva, theft and robbery, niuf, adultery, rov mitzvahs. Rashi seems to say that most mitzvahs are benadim lachavero, I didn't sit down and count to uh, assess that claim, but according to Rashi's second shot, and that's how the Gemara is usually understood, Madalach Sani Lachav Savid is a, a version of Yav Tolarecha Kamocha. It's interesting, in the Torah Shabbat Sav, Yav Tolarecha Kamocha, we phrase it in the positive sense, what, what, that uh, you should love positively someone else the way you love yourself. Hillel focuses on the negative. Hillel says that which is hateful to you, don't do to somebody else. This is, this is much commented on, the other versions of the Golden Rule, including that, including in the New Testament. Lahavdil again, it, it, uses the, it, it, it uses the positive version. In, uh, in Matthew, it says, Whatsoever you would that men should do to you do, you, do you even so to them. For some reason, Chazal phrased it in the negative, that which you would not like, don't do to other people. And Kipshuto, that's a version of that, that's some version of loving others as you do yourself, which means behave to them as you would want them to behave to you, and don't do things to them that you would not want them to do to you. So Rabbi Kiva said this was Klal Gadol Batorah, and Hill Hazakin said that this is literally Kala He said this is, this is literally Kala everything else is commentary, everything else is commentary Zilgmar. There is some discussion as to whether the, the primary focus of Yav Talarecha Kamocha is how you should feel toward people, emotional feelings, feel love to them the way you feel love to yourself, 
or whether it refers to action. Behave, like Hill said, behave toward others the way you would want them to behave to you. The Ramban, in his commentary to our Pasha, says, you can't literally love others as you love yourself. Nobody, everyone has enough self-love that he can't, he can't love someone else quite as much. Even Rabbi Kiva said, even Rabbi Kiva, who said, when it comes to practice as well, Rabbi Kiva said, if, if you have a limited resource, you come first. You should try to treat people as, as well as you treat yourself, but they're not the same. Even al Pialacha, you come first. So the Ramban says, the mitzvah of the Torah just is that you should extend the love you have for yourself to him. It won't be the same as you, but you should at least try to extend and expand the, the love and the care you have for yourself to other people. The Ramban focuses on how you fail belave, although he also mentions Chayach HaKodman, which is a halacha in practice. Rambam in a couple of places. The Rambam focuses, or in addition to the, to the failing belave, the Rambam adds that you have to conduct yourself in, in Maseh, the, the way you act, you have to behave toward others the, the way you would behave to yourself. In Hilchus Deus, the Rambam brings the mitzvah and gives examples. He says you have to speak well of people, you have to care about his money, his property, the way you care about your own money, and the way you care about your own honor. That's what he writes in Hilchus Deus. In Hilchus Avel, where he, where he talks about the laws of Avelos, he writes, there is a mitzvah, there, there are a number of mitzvahs, Drabanan, Benadim Lechavero, he gives, he, he gives the examples, he enumerates, Bikr Cholim, Nichum Avelim, Hotzaat Ames, participating in a Levaya, Lahachnes Akala, helping brides get married, Lava Sa'archim, to escort guests, Lisasi Bechal Tzarche Akvura, attending funerals and bur- bur- burying, seeing to the burial of the mace, etc., etc., Lisameach Kala Vachasan, Lisadim Bechal Tzarchem. All these things, he says, these are all examples of Milos Chesedim Shebagufo Shein Lehem Shir. Besides Milos Chesed Bemaman, you provide someone with resources that he needs. These are all examples of Milos Chesedim that you perform by your actions. Even though he says these mitzvahs are all Madrabanan, Nevertheless, he says, they're all also subsumed under the mitzvah of Yav Kalarecha Kamocha. Which means, again, anything that you would want other people to do to you, you should do to them. Again, this is, this is uh, the Hill's formulation was the negative. Don't do to others what you, would want them, what you wouldn't want someone to do to you. The Rambam writes it in the positive. You should do unto others the way you would want, uh, the way you would want other people to behave toward you. And therefore, all these mitzvahs, they are mitzvahs to Rabbanan, the Rambam, therefore, doesn't count any of these mitzvahs in the Tariq mitzvahs. I believe the Bahag does. The Bahag does count some of these mitzvahs as Daraisis. And there's some talk about whether they're learned from Vaftorecha Kamocha. Does that make them Daraisis or not? The Rambam's position is these are Drabanan, but nevertheless, these are all implementations. These are all instantiations of the, of the broad general mitzvah Daraisa of Yav Tolerecha Kamocha. Now... In the, throughout the Gemara, throughout Shas, there are a handful of cases where, where the Chacham invoke the, the rule of to establish halacha. For example, the Gemara says that a person is, a person is not supposed to marry a woman sight unseen. You can go on a blind date, but you shouldn't, go on a, you shouldn't enter into a blind marriage. You're not allowed to. It's us here, the Gemara says. And the reason is because perhaps there's something about her physical appearance that will repel him. And if he marries her, not realizing this, he will come to be disgusted by it, and he will resent her, and he will dislike her, and that violates the mitzvah of Avtorecha Kamocha. 
So, there are, as I said, there are a handful of cases throughout Shas where the Gemara uses Vavkarecha Kamocha to derive a variety of miscellaneous halachas. This example I gave, that you're not allowed to enter into a blind marriage, is actually, at, is actually the basis of a uh, lovely and fascinating tshuva of the Marik. The Marik was asked about a... There was a young man who wanted to marry a certain woman, and his father objected to the match. We're not told why, but his father did not want him to marry the woman in question. So the question was, is he mechuyev, as a matter of kibbutz avayim, to defer to his father's wishes? So the Maharik says no, and the Maharik gives three reasons. Three reasons why the son is not obligated to listen to his father and marry the woman and to give up his heart's desire. One of the Maharik's reasons is that the Gemara says, means that a man is supposed to love his wife. It's a mitzvah. And that's why you shouldn't marry her sight unseen, because that could cause problems. Says the Marik, if he loves this woman, and if he listens to his father and drops her and, and marries somebody else, the Marik assumes he won't love the other one uh, the way he loves the first one. Debatable, you, you know, that uh, we talk about Bashar, it's always possible he'll find somebody else who makes his father and, uh, and himself both happy, but Marik assumes that if he gives up the, the choice of his heart, he won't wind up liking his wife uh, as much as he should. Says the Marik, you're not allowed to do that. V'aftal The Gemara says that included in V'aftal Recha is that it's a mitzvah, it's a Torah obligation that you have to love your wife. And the rule is, the Marik says, that any time your father tells you to violate a mitzvah, you don't listen to him, because God's commandments take precedence over your father's commandments. Therefore, the Marik arrives at the extraordinary conclusion through this re- He has other arguments as well, but this is one of his arguments that you cannot, you cannot give up the woman that you love out of deference to your parents because God wants you to love your wife, and if you don't marry the choice of your heart, you won't love her, he assumes, or you won't love her as much, and you violate Raftal Recha Kamocha. The Gemara has a number of other miscellaneous applications of the mitzvah of the Avtal Recha Kamocha, they're, they, they, they tend to be pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty obscure, largely. There are various rules about execution. When you have to execute somebody, you should kill him in a way that uh, doesn't cause more harm to his, doesn't cause him more physical suffering or more of, a, more of an injury to his dignity. You're killing him anyway, but at least minimize the, 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 the loss of dignity, minimize the pain. To the extent that Allah allows it, we learn that from Raptorecha Kamocha. So the Gemara has uh, a collection of miscellaneous halachas throughout Shas that it learns from Vavtal Recha Kamocha. There aren't really many, uh, many common, many common, that many practical halachas that we learn in the Gemara. For the, for the remainder of our share, I want to discuss a number of other halachas that Achronim learn from Vavtal Recha Kamocha. Again, it's, uh, it's kind of a miscellaneous uh, bag, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the applications as we go. But I want to discuss three or four other applications of the Avtal Recha Kamocha that we find in the Achronim, in the later Achronim. Rechaim Palaji, great Turkish posek in the 19th century. Rechaim Palaji talks about the Cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom, the ban, the anathema of Rabbeinu Gershom against intercepting and reading mail that was not addressed to you. So Rabbeinu Gershom, a thousand years ago, instituted a ban against doing that, and we don't really have the, his primary wording, we, we don't know much about it, we, it was preserved by the later Rishonim, but the question is, why? What was the, 
what was his motivation? How did he view the, the problem with reading somebody else's mail? So we, we tend to understand it's a privacy issue. We, today, we tend to think that privacy rights are basic and fundamental. Rav Chaim Palaji is uh, discussing a variety of possible reasons for why Rabbeinu Gershom may have banned reading mail. So one of his suggestions is, he says, maybe the reason is because of the Avtalarecha Kamocha. And he immediately adds, Hil Hazakin's rule, Mandalach Sani Lachavrach Losavid, that Avtalarecha Kamocha means what you wouldn't appreciate, don't behave that way towards somebody else. You wouldn't like it if somebody read your mail, so don't read his mail. So, of course, whenever you invoke Avtalarecha Kamocha, one of the issues right away is different people have different standards, and different people have different things they care about. Some people may not care very much about privacy at all, and uh, some, people, some people may care very deeply about privacy. People have different ideas about, uh, about, what, should we, uh, about what they consider private. I remember I, had, uh, I knew someone who was an intensely private person, and when she was dating, she, she met a young man after Yom Tov, after Pesach, and she came back from the date very distraught. And when she was asked, uh, what's wrong? She, she was very uh, disturbed. She said, he asked such personal questions. So what did he ask you? What, 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 what kind of forwardness did this young man display? He asked me how my Pesach was. That's a personal question to some people. How, how you, uh, the, the details of your spiritual growth and how, how you reacted emotionally to the Yom Tov and so on. People have different ideas about what, uh, what's personal, what's private, but in general, that's always going to be a problem with applying the rule of Avtorecha Kamocha, that people have different things they care about. But Rav Chaim Palaji suggests that was why Rabbeinu Gershom banned reading mail. He considered reading mail to be a uh, broad enough, uh, to be a, generally, a, a thing that generally people don't like, and therefore he said, you wouldn't like it if someone did it to you, and therefore you shouldn't be reading someone else's mail. The Chavetz Chaim in his eponymous sefer of Shmir Salashan. So in his famous introduction, he lists as many as 31 different mitzvahs, mitzvah saseh, mitzvah lo saseh, or 31 different mitzvahs that a person can violate in different contexts of relating and accepting and listening to Lashon Haran Rechilus. So we began with the psukim in, two psukim in Parshish Kedoshim, Lo Sisnes Echicha Bilvavecha, the Chavetz Chaim manages to come up with uh, at least four different lavim, four different mitzvahs from these psukim that, that, are, that apply to, to people who speak and, and, and listen to Lashon Hara. First of all, he says, first of all, the Chavetz Chaim says in the, in the lavim, You can't hate somebody. So he says, now, it's true that the post can explain that, that you can't hate somebody in your lave. If you make it clear that you don't like him, if you announce publicly that I hate so-and-so, you don't, it's, not, it's, it's not a good idea, but you don't violate the lav. But the Chavetz Chaim says, anytime you, anytime you hate him, but you don't publicly reveal it to him, then you violate the lav. Certainly, he says, if you... Certainly, he says, if you, if you actually go ahead and speak Lashonar about somebody... Then you violate. Then, then you violate. If, if you do it because of uh, out of hatred, I guess not. Not every piece of lashon hara derives from 
malice. Some of it is just idle gossip, or you're doing it for some personal gain. But if you do it because of hatred and dislike of the other person, you violate Again, assuming that you don't make clear your animosity, assuming that you, you're hiding your animosity, certainly says if you tell them not to reveal the, your malice, toward, you, you tell your, your interlocutors not to reveal your malice to your target, you violate the lav. Even though the Chavetz Chaim says that uh, the post can say sinna is belave, that just means if you, did that, that if you do it publicly, you don't violate the lav. But, but, but even if you speak, he says if you speak, but you don't speak in the presence of your victim, you also violate the lav. On the contrary, he says, it's, it's, it's even worse then, because your sinna is so bad that it boils over until it, you, even, uh, you even do an action, you speak based on your sinna, and B, that you don't, uh, you don't reveal it to him, so he's not guarded from you, he, he won't guard himself from you, and, and he doesn't realize your opposition to him. So certainly, he says, if you speak Lashon Hara out of animosity and malice, you violate Lashisnes Echicha Bilvavecha. Losikam Velositar, the lav, the two lavim of taking revenge and bearing grudges. The Chavetz Chaim explains the lav of bearing a grudge is when someone does something that, uh, that, that, that upsets you and you bear a grudge to him, believe, you resent it and you remember it and you, you nurse and maintain that grudge. That's Lositar. If you ever then take negative action against him, you act on that grudge, that becomes, that becomes Lositar. So you first violate Lositar, then when you then when you implement, you, when you take revenge, that violates losikam. So the Chavetz Chaim says, so you can violate, in addition to losisne, you violate losikam and lositer. Then when he gets to Vaseis, he says that you also violate v'yavtalarecha kamocha. You also violate the mitzvah of v'yavtalarecha kamocha. Just as we mentioned in the Rambam before, the Rambam says, the Rambam focuses on the positive. The Rambam says that, 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 that the Rambam says that that's the mitzvah of Ram says that that that, that the Ram says that the mitzvah of of means you should speak b'shivcho of somebody else because you should speak you should speak b'shivcho of somebody else because that's the way you would want people to speak about you. So the so the so so too the the Chavetz Chaim says if you speak ill of somebody then clearly then clearly you are not. Uh, Clearly, clearly, you are not that, that 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 if you speak ill of him, clearly you are not loving him the way you love yourself. You wouldn't like it again, like like Chaim Palaji said. You wouldn't like it if someone spoke ill of you, and therefore you should not speak ill of you should not speak ill of somebody else, and you violate the mitzvah of the of Talarecha Kamocha. Rav Shlomo Aviner talks about the question: a contemporary posek, a Sephardic posek in Israel, talks about the question of whether. You're allowed to photograph somebody without permission. So he says, He quotes the opinions of various relatively recent authorities. It's a, it's a difficult question. That the question is, are you infringing some kind of property right that he has? You're not actually physically trespassing on his person or taking anything away from him. It's a kind of intellectual property issue. You're uh, recording his likeness without his permission. So he brings machloks up post it, It's it's not so clear that the, that that it violates the, the the formal prohibitions of Gezel, but he quotes opinions both ways, and he concludes you certainly shouldn't do it because even if we can't fit it into a category like Gezel, he says certainly you violate v'yav talarecha kamocha. He says uh, certainly he says if I photograph you against your will, that's uh, that's something that uh, violates v'yav talarecha kamocha. Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein in, ha, has a piece in his Chashuk Echemed. He talks about cutting lines. 
Also something discussed by many contemporary poskim. If you cut ahead of somebody online, uh, obviously we all fail intuitively that it's wrong. The question is, can we articulate a, a, a prohibition, al-pi-alacha, al can we articulate a prohibition against cutting ahead of somebody in line? Rav Zilberstein, again, similar to Rav Avinar about the photographs, Rav Zilberstein proposes various uh, reasons why it might be a form of theft. He goes back and forth. He says at the end of the day, it's, it's a machlokis, it's not so clear. We, we, we can't say with certainty that it violates a, uh, any standard iser. Any, any, uh, any, uh, we can't solidly assert that it violates an iser. However, he says, one thing we can do is we can invoke the same catch-all of Avtal Recha Kamocha. He says, once again, everyone, everyone would prefer that nobody would cut, it, would cut ahead of him online. So too, he says, everyone has to be careful not to cut ahead of anybody else online because he wouldn't like it if someone cut ahead of him, so he can't cut ahead of somebody else. Now, the problem with all these applications of Avtal Recha Kamocha is that it proves too much. It, it's too broad. If we literally say, I can't do anything to somebody else that, that, that I wouldn't appreciate if uh, somebody did to me, everything would be usher. We have a whole Shulchan Aruch HaShem Mishpah. We have, we have Dafim and Dafim of Gemara in Masechus in Seder Nezikin that talk about what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do. With the HaShem Mishpah, the, the Seder Nezikin, like uh, Lahavdal secular law, is all about trying to decide what I can do, what I can't do. We can't simply look to the golden rule and say I can't do anything that, 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 I, that I wouldn't like if someone else did to me. For example, the Gemara Baba Basra talks about competition. If I have a store, a professional establishment of some sort, and someone else wants to open up a competing establishment, do I have the right to object? So the Gemara brings the Machlokas, the Gemara goes back and forth. We paskin, the Maskan of the Sugya is, the Halacha has a more laissez-faire attitude, and an incumbent store, an incumbent professional, has no right to demand that nobody else open up and begin to compete with him, generally. So, can we say, can we tell the person, well, you wouldn't like it if you had a store and he opened up, so don't open up if he has a store. It doesn't work like that. Just because you wouldn't like something doesn't automatically grant you the right to object to it. There's a whole parak in, 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 in Babastra Layakbar. That's where the competition Allah is, but also... There are all kinds of rules of niskechenim, above things that you're allowed to do and things that you're not allowed to do. There are rules that it depends how, how bad it is. It depends on various other considerations. It, it's not, uh, it, it depends on how important what you have to do is important for your needs. So we don't just say, well, don't do anything that you wouldn't like if, 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 if he wouldn't do it to you. I mean, there are rules for, for, for regulating what neighbors can do and what neighbors can't do. There is actually a comment of the Ramah, Rameir Halevi Abulafia, one of the great Rishonim, who actually does say that the, one, of the, one of the mitzvahs that actually undergirds the laws of Nisqeshchenim, one of the mitzvahs that, that says that, that I shouldn't injure somebody else, rather surprisingly, the Torah never clearly articulates an explicit prohibition against causing damage to somebody else, even real damage, even uh, throwing a rock through his window. The Torah says don't steal, the Torah don't, don't steal uh, lo sigzo, lo signov, don't kidnap, don't be masigvul, which means don't steal someone's property, Kipshuto. The Torah has a lot of prohibitions involving uh, stealing and losashok and ribis and so on. Don't commit ono, losonu, altonu. The Torah never has an explicit prohibition not to cause someone an injury. So Rishonim actually struggled to articulate what is the... The, the, Torah, the Torah says you have to pay. There are many psukim in the Torah about paying tashlumen, uh, that about my ox gores your ox, and fires, and shalem yishalem, all over Mishpatim and elsewhere in the Torah... There are many psukim that say you have to pay, but the Torah never explicitly articulates the prohibition 
against injuring someone else's property. So the Ramah says that the, one of the possible sources is, you wouldn't like it if he injured you, you shouldn't injure him. But again, there, there are all kinds of exceptions and rules, which we learn from Psukim or Svaris, and in, both with regard to Niske Shainim, the, the rules that regulate not being a public nuisance, as well as with regard to classic Hezek. It, we don't simply reduce it all to one simple golden rule. I mean, Hill said that's the golden rule, but the rest is Perusha. There is Perusha. The question is, is it really true that we could really derive Lo Sigzel every time a person steals? Does he actually violate Vafdal Recha Kamocha? Maybe he does. I don't know. The Chavetz Chaim says, when you say Lashon Hara, you violate 31, uh, not all at the same time necessarily, but you violate up to 31 different prohibitions. So it's unclear really how far goes, and it's one thing to say, like the Chavetz Chaim does, conduct, which is anyway usher for a variety of reasons, also violates Vaftorecha uh, Kamocha. If you steal, besides violating Los Sigzel, maybe in a Hanami, maybe you also violate Vaftorecha Kamocha. But to create new Isurim, like no, no photographing without permission, no reading mail, no cutting online, to start creating new prohibitions, things that wouldn't necessarily be usher, according to some postkim, they are usher anyway, but according to other postkim, they aren't. Uh, they, they aren't clearly usher. To start saying that we're going to create a new isser based on Vafarecha Kamocha seems to be a, a somewhat problematic line of reasoning. Where do you stop? A lot of things I don't like if people do to me. Does that really mean I can't do it to them? But the Torah grants everyone a certain amount of personal freedom. And not everything someone does is always going to be the most pleasing to you. So, hard to know. It's hard to know exactly what are the limits, what are, what's the limiting principle, what are the rules, when can you apply Vafarecha Kamocha, Again, the examples we gave, the postmen are talking about conduct, which, would, which intuitively we all recognize is wrong. Some of the cases more than others, but you know, Lashonara is wrong for a variety of other reasons anyway. Or the cutting online, we all have a strong intuitive sense that it's not fair, and that it's not right, and that you shouldn't be doing it. Photographing someone without his permission, maybe is more debatable. Rav Avinar felt that uh, it's reasonable to apply the to photographing someone without his permission as well. Rav Asher Weiss, in an essay on Vafarecha Kamocha, brings another couple of interesting examples of cases where the postkim applied Vafarecha Kamocha. He quotes a tshuva of the Marsham. When the Aderes, Rebelio David Rabinowitz Tumim, was chosen to, uh, to be the rabbi of Yerushalayim, so he asked the Marsham a question, how available does the Rav have to be? Does the Rav have to leave instructions with his family, with his attendants, to get him whenever anybody wants him? Wake him up, disturb him from his, his meal, whatever, his private affairs. Does he, does he have to be on call, as we would say, 24-7 to answer any question posed to him by, by those uh, in his care? So, they, they, they discuss it back and forth, and the Marsham says... It's not a chiyuv. Mikra din, the Rav, does not have to have literally full-time availability. And he says, uh, he says, however, the Marsham says about himself that his custom, he personally tries to, he, he personally tries very hard to make himself absolutely available. And uh, one, one of the, for various reasons, and one of the arguments he makes is, he says that the, you should Put yourself in other people's shoes. They're anxious. They have some problem. They, they need the Rav. So if you had a problem, you would appreciate if the Rav gave you the time. So you should, also, you should also make yourself available to others. Again, not so clear if that is uh, 100% Mikra Din, if you have to do it, or he's just saying it's, uh, 
it's, uh, it's an ideal to live up to. Whether he, meant, whether he meant it as a legally mandatory norm, not so clear, but I'll call upon him. That's another application of Avdarecha Kamocha, that you as the Rav, it's true that you know, it, it's a two-sided thing. Maybe the people should have Avdarecha Kamocha to the Rav as well. I have, uh, again, I, have, uh, I, I know someone who, uh, whose husband accepted the, the, the position of rabbi, and she was quite uh, surprised to see what that meant in terms of demands on, on his time. That, you know, she tried to get five minutes together with him, walking home from shul on Shabbos, and invariably, before she can get a word out, the, a word in edgewise, it'd be somebody who had something they needed to talk to the Rav about, and she didn't, she didn't realize how, uh, how much public property the Rav becomes. So presumably, the goes both ways, that it's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's, an imper- it's, it's a mitzvah for the Rav to try to make himself available for his community as much as he can, Probably it's also mitzvah on the community to remember the Rav as a person too, and the Rav has uh, the Rav should be treated with uh, as, as your friend also, and you should and you should react with, you should act with Rafalorecha Kamocha toward the toward the Rav as well. Rav Weiss also brings a tshuva of the Radvaz. The Radvaz, the the Rashba and the Radvaz are discussing whether the mitzvah of prika and te'ina, helping someone unload an animal, the animal is overloaded and uh, it needs to have some of, the, some of the load taken off, or te'ina, helping load the animal. So the question is, does that apply to humans? If a human is carrying uh, a burden, is there a mitzvah to help the human load and unload his burden? So he brings a rashba. So the, so the rashba says that the mitzvah of prika and te'ina uh, applies to humans as well. If you see a human struggling under a load, struggling to load or unload himself, the mitzv- those mitzvahs apply to humans as well. The Radvaz, dis- Radvaz disagrees. The Radvaz says it's his own fault. Uh, he, he shouldn't have loaded himself up too heavily. So you don't have to help him. However, he says it's still a mitzvah. Again, if you were struggling, you would appreciate if someone helped you. When you're, uh, when you're, when, 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 when you're stuck on the side of the road, you're very grateful when someone stops to help you. So if you see someone stuck, you should stop and help him. Same idea that uh, the golden rule, what you would appreciate people doing to you, you should, uh, you should do to them. Again, whether it's absolutely a chiyuv, you might be mochiv to do that anyway, for Rosh Hashanah other mitzvahs. I'll call upon him. The, 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 these are all various examples that the Rishonim invoke of cases where we say, to... Uh, to demand or recommend at least a certain course of conduct, the conduct of, of chesed, of, the, of, uh, of, of helping your fellow Jew. Now, I just want to conclude with a few minutes discussing a question of how Vaflarecha Kamocha applies to Torah and Mitzvahs. We've been discussing until now examples of Vaflarecha Kamocha with regard to temporal needs. Uh, with regard to, to behaving towards somebody uh, in ways that either help or, or hurt him. So how do we apply when it comes to mitzvahs? So there's a interesting machlokas between the Chassam Sofer and Ramosha Feinstein. The Chassam Sofer writes in his commentary Al Torah to this parsha, he says, Rabbi Akiva says, Zeklal Gadol Torah. Rabbi Kiva also is the one who says, There's only enough water for uh, there's only enough water for one person. So if you have the water, you keep it. You don't give it to somebody else. Just today I read a uh, you know heartbreaking account. I was reading about the 
I was reading about uh, Latino migrants who are, you know, who are you know, trying to get out of South America, Central America, and get to the U.S. So one fellow who made the trip, and he, and he traveled across the desert, and he says his, his, you know, he saw all kinds of violence and terrible things, man-made, uh, nat- natural problems, man-made problems. He said his worst moment, his most heartbreaking moment, he was traveling through the desert, and he saw a woman, a woman who was dying of thirst, and she begged him for water. He couldn't give it to her, he said. He didn't have enough for himself. He didn't have enough to give her, so he had to, he had to walk by and let her die. That's the halacha al May we never experience such things. Chayecha kodman. You have to, uh, if there's only enough for you, you keep it. So when Rekiva said, So we mentioned the Ramban asked this as a kind of contradiction. The Ramban said, Is it kamocha or is it chayecha kodman? The Ramban said it's not literally kamocha. Kamocha means in the same way you should extend your ava to him, but you come first, it's not really kamocha. Chasim Sofer has a different approach. Chasim Sofer says that it depends whether we're talking about the temporal or the spiritual. Ba'olam hazeb, gashmiyas, temporal things, then we say chayecha kodman, there's only enough water for one of you, you keep it. However, when it comes to the spiritual, chay hanitzchi, matters of eternal worth, Torah and mitzvahs, he says then... You have to give to others even at uh, the cost of your own personal ruchnias. You have to teach somebody Torah even if you could use the time for yourself more effectively, learning yourself. You still have to teach other person Torah. You don't say Chayach HaKodman. That's what Rekiva meant when Rekiva said Zech HaGadol B'Torah. He didn't mean it's a great principle in the laws of the Torah. He meant, this is a little bit of a drush, but he said he meant Zech HaGadol B'Torah with regard to Torah, with regard to Limurat Torah, that's when I say Kamocha, you have to put him on the same level as you. You have to give up from yourself to give to him. You won't lose, he says, because it's not, it's not more than you, because certainly you'll gain from teaching him. But you, but you can say that I come first and I want to learn the way that's most effective for me. He say, you say that Chal Gadol B'Torah, you don't say Chayach HaKodman when it comes to Torah and Mitzvahs. Ramosha Feinstein disagrees at length. Ramosha writes, this is Tamua Ma'od. He says, absolutely not. When it comes to Torah as well, we say Chayach HaKodman. He brings proofs to this that certainly when it comes to Ruchnias, mitzvahs, Torah as well, certainly the you come first, and you have to put yourself first. You're not allowed to give up your own, your own spiritual needs for somebody else. However, the, the Ramosha says, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't teach people at all. Certainly a Talmud Chacham has to give some of his time to, to others to, uh, to help them as well. He says his guidance is that you have to give some amount of time, he brings, he brings a proof from Rav Preda. Rav Preda taught a, a student who had difficulty comprehending. He taught him 400 times, and he was rewarded with great schar for this. Certainly, Rav Preda could have used his time more effectively to pursue his own studies, he says. You see that there, that there is, uh, even if he wasn't believed to do this, but you see that it's certainly not usher. Normally, he says it would be usher. If you have a mitzvah to just give it up and give it to somebody else, that's usher, Moshe says. But you see, there is a certain amount of one's time that one is supposed to devote to helping others, even if that time could be used more effectively to learn yourself, not like the Chasim Sofer. How much time? Ramosha says, Mistaver, that just like when it comes to Tzaka, we say 10%, Maser, give 10% of your time. Maybe he says, Ad Chomish, a fifth of, maybe you're allowed to give up to a fifth of your time. Tzarachion, he says exactly how much time you're supposed to give. I remember... Several years ago, Rav Asher Weiss was visiting Silver Spring, and he was speaking, and someone asked him some questions along these lines, you know, how much time should he devote to, uh, I forget exactly what the question was, so Rav Asher said, someone asked me once, 
in back in Eretz Yisrael, an Avrech, he asked me, you know, it, it sounds better if you can imitate Rav Asher's uh, stage presence better, but someone asked him, how much time should I devote to Kiruv Rechokim? So Rav Asher says, I looked at him, and I told him, you know, per week, I told him 12 hours and 40 minutes and 30 seconds. He pauses for emphasis and says, what kind of question is that? He says, hey, you can't answer. it's not a black and white question. It's, it's not a question of shiurim, like a kezayas matzah. It all depends on the context. It all depends on what the needs are and what your, what your tkunas and nefesh is. You have to ask someone who knows you. You have to ask a rav who knows, the, you know, who know, who knows you and knows your situation. But Ramosha felt that it is possible to suggest, uh, to suggest uh, numerically uh, quantified, numerical quantities, a maiser, a chomesh. I'll call upon him, the Chassam Sofer says, that in Ruchnius we, we don't say Chayecha Kodman, Ramosha says we do, except that we also, we also understand that we also assume that a person is supposed to devote some of his time, a, when Ramosha says Master, he says a portion of the time that he has to learn Torah, he, he should devote, again, a person has to work uh, eight hours a day, and he has two hours a day to learn Torah, so of those two hours, he should devote uh, 12 minutes, let's say, for a day for teaching others, however you break it up. Rav Ashawai says that he can't give a specific time, it depends on the context. This question came up earlier in the Knesset Dola. Knesset Dola relates that his father, doesn't phrase it in exactly these terms, but he says his father once bid, apparently they were auctioning, they were selling a lulav. I'm not sure if they only had one lulav, or if this was a uniquely muhudar lulav, but they were selling a lulav, and a certain rich person, a certain gvir, was planning on buying it, as people often do today, for the Rav, for a certain Rav, the Rav HaChassid, Rabbi David HaKohen, and the Knesset Dolo's father outbid the Gvir to buy the Lulav for himself. And people were upset. People remonstrated with him. They said, the Gvir is buying it for this, uh, this Chassid, this Adam Gadol, so you shouldn't have taken the mitzvah away from the Adam Gadol. So my father answered, he says, HaRav HaChassid, Gadol Kvodo. I have tremendous respect for this uh, chassid. However, he says, when it comes to mitzvah and Torah, when it comes to something that God commanded us, ain't chalk and covered l'rav. You have to look out for number one. When it comes to mitzvahs, it's each man for himself. Regardless of my great respect for him, he says, yoser karavadam etel atzmo, my, my spiritual interests come first to do a mitzvah that Hashem commanded us. And the Knesset Dollar relates that the chachamim, the chachamim who heard this, this exchange, they, 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 they endorsed his father's position that when it comes to mitzvahs, you come first, apparently not like, again, the Chassam Sofer doesn't necessarily say you should neglect yourself entirely. I don't know what he would say about this case. is only one lulav or one muhudr lulav who should get it. But the Knesset Dolo sounds a lot like Ramosha that even when it comes to Ruchnius, we say, we say, you come first. If there's only one, you should, you should take it for yourself and not give it to somebody else. And the final thing I want to quote, the final source I want to quote on this story is a, uh, is a lovely story. My, my father showed this to me. There's a, there's a story they tell about the, about the Skelena Rebbe and the Vizhnitsa Rebbe. That toward the end of World War II, in 1945, so they had, uh, the war was virtually over, the Russians had liberated Eastern Europe, so they were, they were trying to cobble together food for Pesach, and the... So the Skelena Rebbe, besides the kosher for Passover stuff that had been provided by Tzedakus, he wanted to make some, some, uh, some shmura matzah, some, properly, some, prop, some proper shmura matzah. Somehow he, he, got, he got shmura flour, and he, I don't know if it was shmura flour, he wanted to bake them shmura, whatever it was. 
he wanted to, and he's able to make a limited, a limited quantity of shmura matzah. And he had more than he needed for himself, and he, he sent word to other rebbeis in the area, and he offered each one three matzahs, according to one version of the story, one matzah. He said that, that he doesn't have a lot, so he can't give everyone an unlimited quantity, but he, could give, he can give other, other people, he can give them uh, three matzahs each. So, Ramosha Hager, who was the son of the Sarat Vishnitzer Rebbe, came to, uh, came to get the matzahs for his father, Baruch Hager, the Vishnitzer Rebbe. He got the three matzahs, and he said, my father demands that you, three more. He needs three more for, uh, he has to have a total of six matzahs. So the Skelena Rebbe didn't think that was, didn't sound right, but the Vishnitzer Rebbe was demanding it, so he gave him, he turned over, reluctantly turned over, six matzahs. So Erev Pesach, right before Pesach, the son of the Vishnitzer Rebbe, Ramosha Hager, comes back to the Skelena Rebbe and says, here is three matzahs back. So now the Skelena Rebbe is really confused. He says, you, you made such an issue, you made this... Uh, you made this uh, unpleasant demand for six matzahs originally. It was so important to you, and now you're giving me back three. So Rabbi Moshe Hager asked him, he said, did you leave any matzah for yourself? So he admitted that, nope, he said, I gave it all away. How could I keep matzahs for myself when everyone else needed matzahs? So the son of the vision of the Rebbe said, my father knew that's what you would do. He knew you would give away all the matzahs, so he demanded six. He held three of them for you. Here are your three matzahs back. That's, how, that's the story that they tell. So according to this story, the, the Skelena Rebbe held like the Chesem Sofer, apparently. He, he held that when it comes to Ruchanias, we say, There's no din of He held, other people need it, I'll give them to you, even if I have none for myself. Not like the father of the Knesset Dola, not like Ramosha. He apparently took a position that was very much like the Chesem Sofer. Again, whether he held this is mikra din or was just or was just a kind of uh, chasidish thing that he just couldn't bear to do it, he just couldn't bring himself to do it. Whatever it is, according to the story, he behaved in line with the chasam sofer. That when it comes to ruchnis, we say kamalcha. Your friend is just the same as you. You can't keep. You don't keep it for yourself if someone else needs it. And that's what he held. I guess the I guess the the vision of Rebbe held more held that. I don't know if he disagreed, but he held. He wanted to make sure that after all his yeoman's work in getting matzahs. At least he should have three for himself.